Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. After more than two years of the pandemic, we're all pretty sick of talking about COVID. But we kind of have to, because even though the first two pandemic summers saw cases drop dramatically across Canada, cases seem to be rising right now. Meanwhile, hospitals are facing a crisis point. People are waiting up to nine hours at emergency departments. Pediatric ERs across the country are seeing record numbers, and ERs are understaffed. Six emergency rooms in Quebec will be partially closed this summer, and the ER in Perth, Ontario, had to close entirely for five days at the beginning of July. Healthcare workers are burnt out, and most mask mandates have lifted across the country. So this third pandemic summer could be very different from the last two. If you have a ton of virus going around and you have 60% protection against infection, that still leaves like 40% not protected. So that's kind of where it's a game of just volume. That's Wensi Leung, a health reporter with The Globe. She's here to talk about why hospitals are facing a crisis point now and why some experts are saying it's time to put masks back on. This is The Decibel. Wincy, thanks so much for chatting with me today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So, of course, we're heading into our third pandemic summer now, uh, which I know a lot of people do not want to think about because uh, we don't want to talk about COVID anymore, but this is very much a reality. Uh, The previous couple summers, we saw a pretty significant drop in the number of cases over the summer. But what is this summer shaping up to be so far? Yeah, uh, you're right. The past few summers have been great. So this summer has taken people by a bit of surprise. So when we look at other countries to give an indicator of what might be coming in the past months, like starting in about late May, um, we saw a huge kind of surge in in Israel, Portugal, and we're seeing um, increases in um, Germany, France, in the United States. So there's a sense that, you know, when we look to other countries, Canada will likely not be immune to what's happening elsewhere. And that's a pattern we've seen throughout this pandemic, right? We kind of tend to be a little bit behind what's happening in Europe. So I guess we can kind of expect the same thing this summer. Yeah, that's a prediction anyway. Hmm. We're also hearing about um, hospitals not faring so well these days. So what's going on with with hospitals and and emergency rooms? So hospitals, I mean, even before the pandemic, um, there wasn't a lot of wiggle room. So what's happening now we're seeing hospital staff having to deal with more than two and a half years of, of burnout. There are also healthcare workers who are also getting sick themselves. And you have all sorts of other things that are happening. You have an opiate crisis that mm. that is continuing. You, we have, you know, just the baseline of, of issues that, that happen normally, like heart attacks, strokes, those kinds of things don't go away. And then on top of that, a backlog of procedures um, and surgeries, the healthcare system is trying to deal with that. And on top of that, 
as people resume their normal activities, like a return of things like broken bones and car accidents mm, and that, yeah. all those kinds of things that happen when normal life continues. And then on top of that as well, when you lift mask mandates and you know have people resuming their normal lives, you also have an influx of other infections like the flu, RSV, just common colds and, and fevers and that kind of things as well. Okay, so it seems to be a whole bunch of factors that are kind of um, converging at once here that are putting a strain on hospitals and, and emergency rooms. We've seen that a lot of emergency rooms have been overwhelmed. Uh, for example, in, in Perth, Ontario, the emergency room has been closed for five days. Why, maybe you're, this is kind of what we're getting at here, but can we just kind of really get to this point? So why is it at this point of the pandemic where hospitals are at this this kind of crisis point right now? I think, you know, it's a, a compilation of, of you know, all, all these different effects. But, you know, the burnout of healthcare workers is, is really kind of at a critical point. And when you have um, people who are, are also in the healthcare system getting sick, that also puts an additional burden on, on staff. Let's talk about immunity. This is something I think a lot of people um, have on their mind these days because a lot of people have had COVID already and uh, and some people have even had reinfections, right? How protected are we against the Omicron subvariants that are circulating right now um, if you've had a previous infection? Yeah, I think that's one of the like sad stories right now because I think, you know, everybody kind of had hoped that if you're well vaccinated and and or if you've had COVID already, that it would protect you from reinfection. But that's just not the case. There are a lot of indications that, that these new variants are escaping immunity and that you can very well get it a second, third time. Part of the reason why that we thought that it was OK to kind of lift all the all sort of public health measures is that, you know, if you have a, a population that's well vaccinated and has been infected once, um, at least, that the people would get quite well protected. But we're not necessarily seeing that now because people get, are getting reinfected too. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, if, you know, you have people who are arguing that if it's now just like the flu, if COVID is just now like the flu, we should re expect to have reinfections and that should be okay. Um, but there are some papers out that suggest your risk of sort of long-term health problems increases the more infections that you've had. It's that's still kind of early days and we still have to kind of parse that out and figure that out. But uh, th there's also long COVID to consider. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people who do get it, though, it's extremely disabling and debilitating. So, All right. So let's let's actually talk about boosters then, too, because I think this is also something people are, are thinking about now, because we a lot of us who got our boosters kind of at the start of this year, we're hitting that six month mark where we know they're they're really not as effective anymore. And of course, it varies from province to province in Canada, but a lot of the booster rollout has been focused on on people over 60. Coming into this fall, we are expecting some new vaccines to roll out. What do you think we'll see in terms of a wider booster rollout? One thing that there's there's a growing consensus on is that that you know two doses isn't enough. Three, the third dose should actually just be considered a third dose and not a booster. That should be, um, you know, part of the, the the primary series. We can be like pretty confident that getting a booster will 
protect you against severe illness and death. What we don't know is whether that will, or how much protection that will give you against reinfection. Um, but there are some vaccines that are in the works, some sort of updated boosters that if they're rolled out in the fall might be able to kind of give more protection against the Omicron variant. Mm. Moderna um, has an updated vaccine that they are getting ready to roll out for early fall. Uh, Pfizer also has a vaccine in the works that is an updated vaccine. Yeah, because this seems to be what we're, we've seen throughout the last kind of couple of years here, right? Because the, the vaccines we currently have don't necessarily work against the Omicron variant. So is it just kind of a... I guess a bit of a gamble. Like we don't really know necessarily that these these boosters that we're going to roll out in the fall, if they're going to be effective against what what strain we're seeing at that point. Yeah, it's a really big gamble. And again, it's not. It doesn't seem to be the case in terms of um, severe illness and death. And we do want to protect against that. Like it's not nothing. But yeah, it's it's the re- risk of reinfection. We don't really know. And I think that just goes back to. That, that goes back to the point of like not putting all our eggs into the, into one basket and the idea that vaccines, yes, they are a, a huge and a great tool for us to, to fight this pandemic, but um, they're not the only ones. And we really need to kind of boost our resources in other ways too. So let's talk about mask mandates in particular then. Mask mandates across the country have have been dropped in, in a lot of um, instances at this point in time. From the experts you've spoken with, what are they saying about mask mandates? Is this a thing that we should we should still be doing? So from some of the some of the folks that, that I spoke with, the sense was that the mask mandates shouldn't have been dropped in the first place, that they were kind of dropped too soon. And that, you know, masks are kind of our first line of defense against the pandemic, and they should be the last thing that that we give up. So I guess, why did we drop them so soon? (sighs) That's a good question. Um, So there's a few things that seem to be the rationale behind behind dropping the mask mandate. So so one kind of principle um, when it comes to the ethics of putting anything that would be deemed restrictive on people. The ethics kind of suggest that you should impose the the least amount of restriction on people for the least amount of time that is absolutely necessary. Mm. So after the, the huge Omicron wave in January, February, we did see a huge decline in case counts and hospitalizations and ICU numbers and, and in that kind of big dip, I think, kind of helped sort of pave the way to, to say that, okay, I think, you know, things look a lot safer now. Mm-hmm. This, this is all relative, though, of course. Um, but the other thought, too, is that we, we have a population that is highly vaccinated. And during the Omicron wave, the, the sense was that, you know, if you're highly vaccinated and you have an infection, that's going to pr- give you some protection some added protection against further reinfection. Hmm. So, is, I mean, is this is this accurate? So, if we're saying you know we don't need, need to mask as much, maybe because we're relying on vaccination, and and Canadians did get vaccinated, like over eighty percent of, of the, the Canadian population has those two doses. There, is that a fair thing to say then that we can drop the mask mandates because we've got some protection from the vaccines? 
Well, when it comes to like um, to the National Advisory Committee on Immunization, their stats suggest that like vaccine efficacy against severe disease from Omicron is about ninety percent shortly after you've had one booster dose, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of declines to get about seventy-five percent protection against severe disease for the next twenty weeks after. So, with that vaccine efficacy, I mean, if you have a ton of virus going around and you have 60% protection against infection, that still leaves like 40% not protected. Mm-hmm. So so that's kind of where it's a, a game of just volume. Ontario's chief medical officer, Dr. Kieran Moore, he, he said in a statement that, quote, Ontarians should continue to wear a mask if they feel it is right for them, end quote. So what's the argument for masks being a, a personal choice rather rather than a mandate? You know, fundamentally, you can't expect to fight a pandemic through individuals. I think it's it's very difficult to put that responsibility on individual choice. Um, so when it comes to making recommendations, it's true that, that public health officials have been recommending masks even after lifting mask requirements. But... You know, at this point in the pandemic, when people, you know, are are very anxious to move on with kind of resuming their normal lives, it can be very tempting, I think, for even people who are very cautious to stop wearing masks when they see others around them not. And one of the experts that I had, had interviewed mentioned that just recommending something is not the same as having a rule. And when it was a requirement, even people who um, may not have believed in masking were still masking because it was required. One of the the layers of protection, of course, is people just, you know, basically staying home when they're sick so they don't spread this virus to others. We heard a lot about the issue of sick days earlier earlier on in this pandemic. Uh, How much of an impact does that actually have on on this specific element? I think it's actually huge because if you consider um, people who are not able to stay home and kind of isolate when they are when they have the virus, and you kind of send them out into the population that is unmasked, largely, or where masking is optional. That's just kind of a recipe for for further spread of the disease. Of course, guidelines around what we should or should not be doing during the pandemic have, have been changing pretty consistently um, for for you know more than two years now, which I guess we could kind of expect because it's such a new thing that we're all figuring out as we go. Why is it so hard to get people on board with with changing information, though? I think it really boils down to trust. Hmm. I think this is sort of a learn as you go sort of situation, and. I think it can be really hard for people, especially if you don't trust the people who are, you know, the authorities that are giving public health advice. It can be really hard, challenging to buy into advice that they're giving. But I think the advice has been kind of conflicting. And if when you when you get into the nitty gritties about the efficacy of boosters or like differences between like the very different, you know, surgical masks or N95 masks, you know, it can be, it can be quite daunting. And I think one of the problems is when you put all this um, responsibility on individuals to try to make their own decisions and assess their own risks, that can be really daunting. But when you kind of zoom out, when you look at the recommendations 
as a whole, and you look at like what we have learned over the past two and a half years, there are things that are have not changed. They really haven't. The idea that you can get COVID through close contact and that it's spread through air, those things have not changed for a good portion of this pandemic. Um, and so all the things that we had mentioned, the masking, the ventilation, air filtration, distancing, all those things still apply. Um, masks and vaccines, they're all layers of protection against COVID, as we've talked about, but they're also very divisive these days. Like a lot of people have feelings, very strong feelings one way or another. So I guess, how can how can we move past this and actually get to a point where we can see a way out of the pandemic and get past kind of these these social divisions? You know, we've kind of gotten to this point where on both sides of the spectrum, people who are like totally against having any sort of any further public health measures versus people who are very conservative about them. You have this sort of mentality of like, you do you, you know, like if you're willing to get COVID or if you're wanting to spend the rest of your life in a mask, you just like go ahead and do that. Like, see, and, and I think what people don't realize is that what happens to someone else in this pandemic will come back and bite you. Wednesday, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our summer producer is Zara Kozema. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show, and Michal Stein edited this episode. Kasia Mihailovic is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.